I was styling out there like a champion, yeah. This is the Dynasty Warzone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and here are your hosts, Memphis at DFF Memphis and Jerry at Jerry Sin DFF. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZRING. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZRING, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZRING, and let's have a big season. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast, and this week's topic is going to be the post-combine rookie review. Man, we've got a very special guest tonight. We've got Angelo on Twitter, AngeloFF, and he can be fine, at Angelo underscore fantasy on Twitter. But before we get into all that, I have to bring in my co-host, you know him, as the man of the hour and the man with the power. He is Jerry Sinclair. Jerry, what's going on, buddy? Oh, it is the countdown to the draft, my friends. We got through the combine, and that was good. The good news, Zach Moss is still running his 40, and now we're counting down, what do we got, six weeks? Something like that? It's like the 26th or something of April till the big day? Uh, it, It's something like that. I don't remember the, the old rock group. I've seen it in a lot of commercials. There was the Geico commercial. Had that song that goes, it's the final countdown uh i i don't know uh that i did that song any justice but uh we're gonna start jumping into some free agent previews here the next couple of weeks we're gonna go hard with the rookie content this week we've got the the mock draft planned for the post combine rookie mock that's gonna be really special pretty excited for that and what else i'm excited for man is the patreon dude the patreon is a banana uh came out of a meeting this morning like literally it was like a 30 minute quick meeting trying to change the process 43 messages and we are going to be changing some of the tiering of the patreon we will get into that in, in, a, in a future show but if you're interested on getting in on the grassroots level Head over to patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. And we're talking about all things more than rookies. Uh, we had a one guy talking about a trade today. Jerry, did you see that Devontae Adams and the 105 for the Terry McLaren, the 107, the 108, and like a third? I saw it. Oh, I saw it. Now, now Jerry, I'm not going to sit here and, and sell out the uh, the trade advice that we gave. But needless to say, we, we all jumped in. We pitched in. And anyway, I think we helped our uh, Patreon buddy out. But those are the kind of things that we do in the group chat. We do in the Patreon. We do one-on-one coaching. A lot going on at the Patreon. Again, patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. Uh, going to continue to warn you, this one may not be as long, but we've been running, especially on some of these bonuses, 75 minutes, give or take. I'm really trying to rein them in. But man, when the content's flowing, and that bonus that I did last week with Kyle, it wasn't intended to be a strategy session, a how-to session, a how to take advantage of situations. It just became that. We were talking about the news. So if you didn't catch the bonus episode entitled, Taking a February News Dump, it's out there. I had to relaunch it on Saturday. There were some issues with iTunes. It's out there. I want to thank you for that new five-star review. Man, every day we're getting one closer to our goal of 200. Thank you. If, you, if you're so inclined, head over to iTunes, 
Uh, search Dynasty Warzone. Leave us a five-star. Leave some nice comments about Jerry's beard. He needs the positive affirmation. And while you're on your phone, check out our social media. You can do that at Dynasty Warzone on both Instagram and Twitter. And Jerry, speaking of which, you got a handle change. I do. Uh, well, you know, I have been linked to DFF. We were a DFF program for a while. Now we're on our own. And my loyalties lie to you, Randy. So I changed it to Randy Sun at Randy Sun. No, I didn't. Jerry Sun DWZ on Twitter. So, so you just changed the last two letters. You went from Jerry Sin DFF to Jerry Sin DWZ. I did. I'm very creative like that. Man, that is what's called a stroke of genius on on Jerry's part. So, what you're saying is that there might be a DWZ Memphis coming sometime soon. I don't I feel know. Like it's inevitable. Uh, don't. I, I, I see. You're too old. You can't just you can't get with the times. You got to be progressive, Andy. Well, I'm gonna tell you if if I do anything, I'm gonna be like all the cool kids, like Angelo, like Nick Whalen, like Pete Law. I'm gonna get an underscore. Underscore. In that. I'm gonna get an <laughs> okay. underscore in that some right, bitch. Right. But but for now, I'm still at DFF Memphis. The show is still at Dynasty Warzone on Instagram and Twitter. So we had a combine recently. Before I get into this, I I, I do want to give a shout out to previous guests of the show. Garrett Price of the Dynasty Nerds. He was in town. He did in- a great job. Listen, so I know what you're going to talk about, but I, I followed him solely for all of my information on the Combine. Did a great job. If you're not following him, you're a dope. You need to follow him. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, man, you're good. And uh, first of all, my only recommendation, and I'm in a Dynasty League with Rich of the Dynasty Nerds, and I was busting his chops. I'm like, how do you send my mans to to Indianapolis without likes? I mean, he was wearing a nice, fresh Nike hoodie, very stylish, looked like a million bucks. But my question is, is how do you not send my mans in there with like a fresh, a fresh Dynasty Nerds polo? You know, uh, this guy's got to be official. But in all sincerity, Garrett killed it. The Dynasty Nerds are actually killing it quite a bit as well. Uh, they're working with our buddy Nick. They've got Garrett. Uh, Rich and Matt, the two OGs, if you will, of the nerds, they kill it. But I, I had the good fortune. You guys know one of my favorite things about the dynasty and fantasy industry is actually getting the opportunity to to meet people. I've met Seth and Kyle in person. I've met Nick in person. I've met Jerry, the man of the hour, in person. Uh, and, and I had the good fortune to meet Garrett. Now, I didn't have a ton of time. It's very busy at my day job with uh, the 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 gig that pays the bills, if you will. But I was able to sneak out for a quick lunch. wasn't very long, but we sat down, we had a meal, had some great conversation, and it was great to meet Garrett. And Jerry, you were right. He absolutely killed the combine coverage. I'm going to try to get out for at least one day next year to enjoy that with him. But man, I'll tell you what else I'm, I'm going to enjoy is this conversation with Angelo. He killed it this past week on the Dynasty Happy Hour. He has been writing some amazing Twitter threads. I'm talking awesome. And so we've brought him in. We're going to talk about this post-combine draft, some player movement. And Angelo can be found on Twitter, again, at Angelo underscore fantasy. Jerry, are you as excited as I am to talk to Angelo? Listen, I have been excited to talk to this man for a while. And the thing about it is he I was retweeting one of his J.K. Dobbins threads, which is, you know, just like all of his threads are great. And I was like, "Ooh, I got to remember to tell Randy to get this guy on the show. And so I go to talk to Randy and Randy says, oh, we got Angelo coming on next week. Well, damn, Randy. See, that's why he is the best. And I just got to tag along, baby. Uh, One thing, uh, Twitter can both bring you up and, and, and bring you down. As this industry can, but I'm going to continue to live by our motto of making the world a better place for fantasy football. And that's what Angelo does. We're in a couple of group chats together, but enough rambling and beating around the bush. Let's bring in Angelo. All right, here he is by popular demand. You know him on Twitter. He's Angelo FF, but his Twitter handle is at Angelo underscore fantasy. Welcome to the Dynasty Warzone. Angelo, what's going on? Not much, guys. I thank you guys again for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to a fun hour. Yeah, man, absolutely. We're, we're super excited to have you here. Now, we we joked in the open that Jerry reached out to me. He was like, hey, man, thanks for getting Ray and thanks for getting Tyler. He's like, you know who we need? We need to get this Angelo guy who's killing these Twitter threads right now. And I'm like, Jerry, buddy, babe, 
He's already booked. We got him. I, I would not come out of the, you know, we, we went into the combine with Ray GQ. We're coming out with Angelo. So we are all about this rookie action this week. Um, but tell us a little bit about the Twitter thread you got going on, a little bit about yourself and just uh, what's up with Angelo. Sure, man. Hey, first of all, I don't know if I can live up to the hype of Ray GQ, man. He does a phenomenal job. Um, he's one of the best in the industry right now. And I appreciate his work and all the things he's doing right now. Um, but for me, um, I'm working on my Y series. My Y series is based around um, prospect analysis through more of a biomechanics, human performance led lens, if you would say. So it's a lot about, you know, are, are the athletes, the running backs, receivers using the correct angles in certain situations? What are they seeing? Um, are they perceiving and reacting correctly to the situation? And then kind of seeing how that transfers over to the NFL level and, and how they compare to some of the upper echelon guys at their position, like the Christian McCaffrey's, Julio Jones of the world. Um, and then I'll, I'll put out some um, rookie rankings based on what I see film-wise and then um, go from there. But I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, that, that's what I got coming up. But the, the pre-draft process so far has been a lot of fun. Uh, this has probably been the most fun and intrigued I've been by a pre-draft process um, from a prospect perspective. Um, and it's been really intriguing, like I said, and a lot of fun um, diving into some of these guys. No, I, I agree. Let me ask you a question before I let Jerry ask a couple. Do, sure. you, do, do you think that the quarterback landscape and carousel that could be happening in about two and a half weeks, do, do you think that's really adding to the intrigue of this draft class, not knowing you know, what the free agency market's going to do to the value of these guys and what potential landing spots could be taken or could be open uh, before the draft? Yeah, Randy, I think it, I think absolutely it does because it changes the landscape for a lot of these receivers and running backs. I mean, the quarterback is essentially the head of the ecosystem when it comes to an offense. And who's your quarterback is dependent, um, depends on a lot of different things in the offense. So, you know, for example, I'm a big Bears fan unfortunately. So a guy like Mitchell Trubisky is vastly different than even a mid-tier quarterback like an Andy Dalton. Um, and what that does from an offensive efficiency perspective and how the offense kind of gels as a whole and, and, and schematically um, what kind of goes on within that offense and how they score their points. And I think we're looking at now like Tom Brady, Andy Dalton, um, Derek Carr, um, Jameis Winston, a lot of really intriguing names that are going to be free agents and we kind of don't know um, how the dominoes are going to fall yet. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see because that's going to impact a lot of fantasy assets from running backs, receivers, the tight ends, um, and what their ceiling and floors look like just based on who the quarterback is in 2020. Nope. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, that we're on the same page there. Jerry, anything for Angelo before we start jumping into the combine and our thoughts on it? Just about the threads themselves that you post, sort of – I don't know. What's the thinking about them? How, the thinking on, you know, that goes on behind them. How did you start to just, you know what? I'm going to just dive in this way. Because honestly, I consume my material in the form of a podcast when I'm driving to school, which is an hour drive for me. Sure. Or, or like the videos that you do on Twitter. I'm not a huge article reading guy. So that's why I liked you. That's why I was hoping you could come on here. Luckily, sure. Randy is you know, more qualified than me and got you to come on. <laughs> For sure. uh, so, so, so how did, how did those start? What got you going on those? Did You must enjoy them because they Thank are. You, man. I, appreciate that, but, um, I mean, Jerry, for me, man, I'm a big visual learner and in, in my career as a track and field athlete, I did a lot of video work on uh, my mechanics and, and kind of learning how to, how to move correctly in, in my sport. And obviously I was running in a straight line and then, you know, a little turn here and there, but uh, it, it wasn't like some of these guys moving on the field to play. And I've always kind of been enamored by human movement properties and, and what the elite of the elite actually look like. You know, a guy like Walter Payton, who is my favorite athlete of all time growing up, is vastly different than a guy like Kalen Balage. They're both professional athletes, right? But one is one, in one theory, is the, yeah. Yeah. What, what is the best ever at his position? I'm a Detroit Lions man, so the, oh, okay. let's let's keep your heresy out of this. But. I said one of. <laughs> okay, I said one of, but Barry, dust, Barry your ball, dust in your balls. If you look, Barry Sanders is actually like my header in my in my Angelo fantasy um, Twitter thing. So I give I give my respects to Barry Sanders. Um, but for me, man, it, it's all about looking at things through a different lens. And like I said, I'm a very visual learner. 
I don't really learn well auditorily. So if you tell me something, I'm going to either forget it or misconceptualize it. So for me, I like to put my perspective on prospects and break it down so it's clean, concise, and consumable. So people can actually understand the more new, the nuanced approach to what it takes to be an NFL level athlete. And all these guys are elite, right? So, but there's a difference between, like I said, the upper echelon and those mid tier to low tier guys. Like Christian McCaffrey is one of the best the position, and he's one of the best the past decade, right? But what makes him different from a guy like like him to like Miles Sanders? You know, what's kind of the what's the difference between those two guys? Both are NFL level talents. Both are elite athletes. But what's like the real difference in how they move, and what makes them unique as movers? Um, and as problem solvers in the field of play. And, and that's what I really love to dive into in, um, in my career in itself. I work a lot with different types of athletes from the elite level, high school level, to the collegiate level, the professional. So I get to kind of see different types of movers on a day-to-day basis. And I look at a lot of film on that. I'm a big nerd. So I go home, look at more film and try to figure out solutions for these athletes. I try to do the same thing with my threads. And um, it, it's been great. The, 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 I guess the what I've received from it, the reviews have been awesome. And I've had a lot of support about doing more of them. And now I've been doing more receivers, how they move, especially within their routes. And movement is movement for me. I, I'm not a I'm not a big football guy per se. I didn't grow up in as a football player. Um, but I understand, at least to some degree the the movement portion of what it takes to be an NFL athlete. And I'm still learning. I'm still growing myself. But I think it's really interesting to me when I, when I look at film, when I study and um, break things down, um, what the difference is between good and the difference between good and elite. So I, I, uh, I, I love everything you just said. So what do you do in, in, in the, where you get to work with these other athletes? So I work in human performance. Um, so I work with a lot of different types of athletes on a day-to-day basis. And um, some teams, um, some individuals, and some coaches and coaching staffs and schools and giving presentations on biomechanics and things such as that where I can actually get to be one-on-one with an individual or get to know them as movers, whether it's a track and field athlete or whether it's a you know collegiate football player. Um, the movement properties are kind of the same across the board in terms of we want to be efficient, concise, um, and be, I guess, economical um, when it comes to moving around on our field of play. So um, I, I'm I'm very blessed to be in a in a position where I get to work with so many different great athletes and great people and coaches and staffs and um, it's fun, man. I, I love my day to day, and it, it's never a dull moment when you get to come home and and do more of it, and it, it's it's really fun, man. I love it. Listen, I am an aspiring historian. So when I get information like the things on your thread, you know, I I like to interpret it my own way. Uh, But here's the other thing about being a historian is you also have to read other historians and you always want to go by the most reputable sources. Right. And now that I know that that's what you do all the time, you do this in your spare time, you do this in your professional life. That just makes it so much better for me. That makes it consuming that material so much more, I I don't know, credible, awesome, kick ass. I mean, I I could say a hundred adjectives. So I I love them. I mean, I'm fanboying a little bit because (laughs) I enjoy them so much. Uh, But Randy, let's get this boy rolling. Let's get him talking about some of these guys. Yeah, well. I, I got to get you guys down for the combine because I, th- this new format, and that's my first question. I'll start with Angelo. Angelo, what did you think about the new format with it being in prime time, the players working out at night, the the way the interviews laid out? I'll tell you the one thing that I liked about it personally is it uh, gave uh, Garrett Price dead time in the middle of the day to sneak off for a quick lunch to to meet me in person. Um, oh, that's awesome. I, I, I didn't I didn't have a ton of time to consume a lot of it because we were recording a lot of podcasts last week. Sure, I, sure. I caught it all after the fact. Um, good thing about the NFL Network, they play these things over and over yeah. and, then, and then over some more. So what what did you think about it? Um, in all honesty, I'm not a I'm a big fan of the, the format for like you guys, Garrett, and you know what he did at the comment was awesome. I was asking him so many questions. 
um, via Twitter, and he was sending me some videos on guys. But I think that part was great for, I guess, the media part of it to consume. And I think it was much more consumable for, for media personnel. But I think for the players, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, and, and being an athlete at a fairly high level, I, I was a big believer in, you know, like, like your central nervous system, waking up, getting in your routine, eating X, Y, Z times a day before you, before you prepare for a meet or a game, what have you, or a performance. And so for me, that, that part's tough. Because I believe that the athletes in this situation are not given the best shot at performing well. Because a lot of the events were really late at night. So, like, the 40s, a lot of the 40s that I watched were 8.30, 9pm. I mean, that's extremely late. And for me, like, in my athletic career, I was more so if, if I was performing, you know, mid-afternoon, early evening, that was kind of the sweet spot. You know, I got to go through my routines and it wasn't it wasn't as different at a, as it is, you know, performing at eight, nine, 10 at night. And so that's tough. And I think they need to do a better job of, I guess, splitting up um, the athletic testing. And I know like for the running backs, I think like bench press was on one day and then the next day was like forties, things like that. But I think they need to do a better job of like splitting up the explosive testing. Cause that takes so much out of an athlete um, nervous system wise that they need to, they need to recover from those bouts to give the best effort and the best performance possible. And especially when we're talking about player safety too, we saw a lot of guys this year, more so than most, I think, go out with injury mid-combine. That's something that I noticed. And for me, it's all about player safety, but I think the NFL did a good job of making it more consumable for the media and the mass media because now it's at night. And so people get to watch when they get home and it becomes, I guess, an event rather than something they would catch on, you know, Twitter or, or on NFL Network later on. But I think that was great. But for me personally, I guess my, my favorite thing about the Combine is always the interviews. Um, for me, the most, this is the most interesting part of the NFL Combine because it's so intriguing to watch and listen to some of these guys who are being put under a microscope in what is probably one of the most public job interviews on the planet. I mean, just getting a small glimpse at how these guys prepared for this moment gives you an inside look at how they'll potentially transition to being an NFL athlete, which could be, which could be great or not so good. Um, but for me, it's looking at how well-spoken and charismatic some of these guys are and how some of them just don't look prepared in their body language and, and overall physically and mentally and emotionally. These guys are going through you know, four or five days of constant stress, right? Everything's being thrown at them from, from NFL personnel, the media, um, to on-field on field coaches. So they're going through a lot of different things. And I think that we forget the non-physical portion of the combine is just as important as the service level testing that we're all so excited about seeing. Um, but it's all part of like this much bigger puzzle that's going to make or lose these guys millions of dollars. Well, one thing that, that I took from this, from talking to Garrett, but also listening to non-fantasy podcasts like Mel... Kuyper and Todd McShay and all these guys were, I won't say complaining, but they definitely brought up the fact that it was a long day. And yeah, I can, I can tell you right. as a guy, cause we're in a, uh, a fitness group chat together that yeah. from a person of a, who enjoys like a certain routine, like I enjoy working out in the evening, my wife works out in the morning and when we have to flip, it's just not your best overall workout. And if you've got the media guys who are just sitting there talking about the players, talking about how long the day is, how hard it is to get food. Imagine trying to be an athlete where your yeah. body and your performance is part of your job interview. It would be very tough. So I agree 100%. Jerry, anything to add? I mean, I think that sort of showed in three cones, if that's anything. Those were no, pretty historically low. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was crazy. Guys like Rager, who are excellent lateral athletes, Running, running three cones like DK. I mean, that doesn't make that doesn't make any type any type of sense. And so that's kind of what I, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, man, like that hurts guys' stock too. But I think NFL evaluators know that, and they're there for that long day as well. And so if they're tired, imagine what what some of those guys in the field are because they have to be on their A game for four to five days straight. We're talking seventy two hours straight of these guys meetings you know interviews on field stuff like it's a constant constant battle of all right what's next what's next what's next but um 
I think a lot of them did well. I think some their stock really elevated and some their stock sunk. Um, but we'll probably get into that a little later. But it was a definitely an intriguing week, and it was different than any combine that I've seen um, from that perspective. Well, I, I like you. Uh, I like it when the guest does your transition for you. So this this first question is. Who is your biggest winner of the combine not named Jonathan Taylor? So one thing we've been doing a lot of here in the Dynasty Warzone is trying to eliminate some of the obvious. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be your 101 to 102 in a non-super flex, and he's going to be top three in a super flex. So we're going to throw him out. He's not allowed to be in this equation because we all know he's hashtag good at football. Uh, Jerry, who is your biggest winner of the combine not named Jonathan Taylor? Mine was Denzel Mims. Uh he was a dude that I knew was a good athlete, but I don't think I gave him enough credit because he wears the Baylor helmet and I'm a sucker for stupid narratives about one position group from a college not succeeding. So it correlates to another guy. Um, so I didn't, I wouldn't say I love him and you know, big guys like that. I fell for Hakeem Butler so hard, just big guys that can make big catches in the big 12 Denzel Mims came out there, and my man looked good. My man was running fast. My man was big. I I, I think he really jumped himself up for me personally. Um, I have also sort of been trying to avoid the echo chamber that has been Twitter, so I don't know how everybody else feels about Denzel Mims. Uh, but I, I am going to guess he got quite the boost surrounding. So I would definitely have to say he was a win for uh, out of the combine if we're excluding Jonathan Taylor who turned to the great Messiah when he ran that 439. Angelo, what do you think about Mims and then just roll right into the guy that you thought was a big winner? I mean, I like before the combine, I like Mims a lot on tape. I think he does a lot of things well, especially for a guy his size, you know, like thick like a six three, like two ten, uh right around there. So I think he he really did help himself, like you said. Um, and Jerry, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head is like his stock is, has gone way up. I mean, he's a guy who might get picked in the early second round now. I mean, before that, I mean, before the combine, he's a guy that was kind of an afterthought, I think, because it's a very deep wide receiver class. I mean, and I think there is where you can kind of look at, okay, he kind of, he separated himself from that middle, middle tier. And the guy that I'm, that guy impressed me the most, the combine separated himself from the middle tier of running backs. That's that's AJ Dillon. I myself not a giant AJ Dillon fan, but he undoubtedly separated himself from that mid- middle tier of backs. And it takes a standout trait to do that. And at nearly 250 pounds, running in the low four fours, it, that's impressive. And NFL evaluators will look at that, and that's something you don't see every day. That's a once in a decade type performance, jumping over 40 in the vertical. You know running low four four low sorry low four fives like i said i mean at 250 pounds no less i mean that's impressive if you're 220 pound back add 30 pounds of that and that and that's a special performance do i think that shows up on the field to play for him no i don't i thought he played smaller than his frame um but the thing that i'll say now is he's gonna have capital on his side to to, to have the opportunity to be a lead back either a lead back in a committee or or a three down workhorse and I think he rose from, you know, maybe a potential mid-fourth round selection to being at the top of the third round, maybe. And, and that's a huge, huge rise for him, you know, being that middle tier of running backs with, like, the guys like Zach Moss, um, Anthony McFarlane, you know, those type of backs who, who are talented in their own right, but they have specific skills um, that allowed them to separate themselves. But A.J. Dillon... He did something that those guys did not do in terms of putting on all-time elite performance at his size, which he did. And you can't take that away from him no matter how you view him on film. I'm a giant fan of him, but he did put on an all-time elite performance for a guy his size um, in terms of his measurables. Yeah, he he would be an interesting fit in Tennessee if Tennessee were to let Derek Henry walk in free agency due to wanting that quote unquote Zeke money. Uh, my, my guy is Justin Jefferson. This love it. Th- th- this is a guy that I. I mean, we did a mock draft about two or three weeks ago. It was our pre combine mock. It was tight end premium. It was super flex. 
but I did not, we did not, any of us, we had Pete Law and Nick Whalen on with us, and, and none of us had this guy in our uh, top 24 at the time. Now, mind you, again, we had five quarterbacks in there. We had three tight ends in there. So that skewed him. We did bring his name up. But like Jerry and I talked about on our Patreon, I, I, I'm more about getting it right than being right. And just because I had this guy outside my top five at one point doesn't mean that I'm not going to pivot. Um, I can only see so many mock drafts from, again, Todd McShay and, you know, all these other you know, national analysts having this guy. These are connected guys, and they have this kid go in the back end of the first round. I've seen him mocked to Green Bay. I've seen him mocked to the Saints. And then you see the combine performance where he ran a 4 4 3 40. Uh, his speed score was 104.9, and then his uh, burst score was 126.8. He didn't do the agility drills, um, good size. And again, he's got a national championship pedigree, looked good. I don't love the comparable to Tyler Boyd. I would like to see someone a little bit more elite than Tyler Boyd. I don't want good. I want, you know, great to elite level player. But I think he did himself a huge favor. I think he may have solidified his his status as a uh, wide receiver you know, top five pick right behind the big three of Rager and Lamb and Judy. But, um, you know, you can't have upside without downside. There were some guys that uh, that were some big losers. Uh, and I, my question, same thing, is who was the biggest loser not named LaVisca Chenault? Because LaVisca, to his credit, he did try to compete. He obviously had a core, uh, groin, lower body, weird you know, muscle injury, but you know, he gave it his best shot, but uh, I, I'm not going to hold that against him. I like it when a guy competes. So uh, I'm going to throw it back to Angelo. Angelo, what did you think about Justin Jefferson? And then just roll right into your guy. Sure. I'm um, absolutely. I love Justin Jefferson. I loved everything I've seen on tape. Um, when I watched him live at LSU as well. Uh, he's a guy that I think NFL teams are going to look at as kind of the future of what the slot receiver is kind of becoming here. And I think for him, Running in the you know low four fours, that was that's a massive boost for him because he was a guy before who a lot of people mocked you know late first round, but early second round. But now he's kind of solidified himself with first round pedigree, um, and I I like him a lot. I think now you can kind of move him around, um, you put him at the X and move him around the formation a little bit more. But I mean he he has downfield speed. Uh, he's extremely good in short areas. Uh, and he's he's great. He's going to be really good against at slot corners in the NFL. I think he's going to um, cause a lot of problems with his size and length um, and his lateral movement skills for sure. But a guy kind of at the opposite of that, and we talked about LaVisca Chanel a little bit, and he's one of my favorite players in this class. And I was I was fuming watching him try to run the 40. And I don't think he's a loser because of the combine itself. I think he's a loser because he chose to participate with a sports hernia that needed to be surgically repaired two months ago. And th- that's unbelievable to me where he got, he, he got the medical advice to continue training for the NFL combine when he had a sports hernia that caused pubic bone inflammation. It, I mean, I just don't understand how you can win in that situation if you're him. And I, I, I feel bad because his stock takes a hit. Um, his medical is not as clear now. I mean, he's had three surgeries in 16 months. You know, that's a lot, man. I mean, uh, thankfully, all the injuries are are in, on the green green slash yellow side of um of reoccurrence. So it, the injuries don't have a high degree of reoccurrence, which is great. But the fact that he has three surgeries in 16 months, and you know, he aggravated himself at the combine. If you watched him run the 40, actually. He runs the first 40, gets about 20, 25 yards down, pulls up, stops, goes back, looks really uncomfortable walking back, does it again, runs in the high four fives, and then you could see him gingerly kind of decelerating towards those cameras. And he he looked like he was about 60%. You know, and he's a guy who was one who was the most explosive player on the field whenever he touched the ball. Um, and I'm just kind of I'm sad to see his kind of fall from that position. But I think the guy who was even a bigger loser than Chenault was Savant. Um, Savant, I'm mad, man. I mean, I, I think the Washington back running in the four sixes, it 
because guys in his tier need to stand out athletically. And on tape, he he's an ex, has extremely good play speed, and he wins with speed, explosive plays, making the first guy miss and being a you know being a threat takes to the house. He's kind of like a Justice Hill type back. And that's what we expected going into the combine with him was running in the low four fours, high four threes even, and his stock kind of elevating from there, being a potential late fourth round, fifth round pick to now he might go undrafted. I mean, that's the type of fall that he had. And he was a player I liked a lot at Washington and what he brought to the table on that offense. But now it's, you know, he's a guy that might have zero value because he might have zero capital. And that means a lot to me. No, and, and when we say LaVisca is a loser, I mean, I actually gained more respect for him in this combine as a competitor than I did because he could have went the T. Higgins route. He totally could have went the T. Higgins route yeah. and just said, hey, you know what, I, I'm not doing it. Um, some of these guys with their with their foot injuries, they, they could have, you know, he, he could have gladly said, hey, I've got to have something taken care of. But, but he showed up. Uh, my guy, I kind of went with the low-hanging fruit, but Zach Moss, mostly to make fun of Jerry because Jerry was so intrigued by this guy. Um, decent measurables. His BMI was 32.9. We'll call it 33. Um, and that's thick. Jerry, how thick is that? That is thicker than a bowl of oatmeal, my friend. Thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. But for a man that thick, he only benched 19 times, which is not even 50th percentile for the running back position. To put that in perspective, Jalen Rager, who was a significantly smaller human, uh, benched 17 times. So sure. n- n- not a great strength guy. His 40 was 4.65. Uh, he's going to rerun it. You know, he, he claimed a, a little hammy tweak himself. I don't know. There, there's a lot of people that wanted to elevate Moss ahead of uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, ahead of Joshua Kelly. I will gladly take either one of those guys uh, ahead of him in a startup. I, I don't think that he's a bad football player, but I, I don't think that he's a great football player. And I think that there was so much steam. It felt like it started Sunday the 22nd and ran all the way up to the Combine. And all that air got let out of that balloon. So I'm going with Zach Moss. Jerry, who was, uh, who was the guy whose value took the, uh, the biggest dip, in your opinion? I mean, I could do a ton of them. It, there, there was a, a bunch of guys that I really wanted to see. And I wanted, I wanted to see them because they're in that next group of guys. And I wanted to see if they were going to make that jump up. Like, like we saw A.J. Dillon, one of those type of guys who was in the tier below. And he took his jump up. You know, KJ Hill. There was a guy that I really liked watching him at Ohio State. He came out, ran a four six. I don't love watching people run a four six. Uh Zach Moss really broke my heart, as you alluded to, because you're a prick. Uh Antonio Gandy Golden. I mean, they're the these little school guys. You always gotta watch out for the little school guy. He came out, did not exactly impress. And then there's just the the guys that didn't run it scares me a little bit now there there could be injuries that i don't know about but like kj hamler i know you're little bud but i i gotta see you i gotta see how little you are i gotta see how fast you are it just scares me that you're just waiting for that pro day you know stopwatch by the hand 40 time and that scares the hell out of me stuff like that and honestly not not that i dislike the guy i know i'm going to talk about a buckeye again in jk dobbins because listen, Akers ran fast, Taylor ran fast, Swift ran fast, and they're all sort of been in that group. And when when you didn't play, the narrative surrounding you hurt. And and he he took a hit uh, because he's no longer being mentioned as one of these, you know, J.K. Dobbins fanboy RB ones, you know, by by most people. So. It, it might be a good thing for those of us that like J.K. Dobbins, and we'll get him for cheaper. But uh, as far as perception is concerned, I do think players like him and Higgins and them they they took a hit. Sure. All right, Jerry, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with uh, you're gonna go back to back. So whose ADP is gonna get out of control with their combine results? Because you you know how Twitter is. Even though we're supposed to use the combine to reaffirm what we already have seen on tape and what we've known about these guys and just give us a little bit of, a, of an additional data platform to put behind them. Wh- whose ADP is going to go bananas now that we've, uh, we've seen them in their uh, 
spandex shorty shorts. All right, I am going to do you all a favor and let you guys have all the all the big names. Uh, I'm going to pick a guy that I just went in on the Patreon, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again in this one. And it's Donovan Peoples Jones, wide receiver from the University okay. of Michigan. Now, I'm a Michigan State fan. Every Warzone listener knows this. I spew it all the time, but I promise you, my man came out, ran real fast, jumped real high, looked real good. That's what Donovan Peoples-Jones has been as an athlete. He has been an explosive athlete throughout his time. There's a reason he was a five-star coming out of Detroit Cast Tech. He lit this state on fire. And then he got to U of M, and his first season he played every single game, and he didn't score a touchdown. And then he finally got Shea Patterson, who, you know, we could we could talk some evil things about Shea Patterson, but he's a functioning D1 quarterback. And he scored a lot of touchdowns, and he did good in that aspect, but the man has feet for hands. He drops it way, way more than you want. And the thing about him is he's going to get draft capital because he could run fast, he can jump high. You know, yeah, listen, Jim Harbaugh, he hamstrings some of his athletic players. I don't, I mean, it's an archaic offense as a Michigan State fan. I get to watch the exact same form of boring ass football. Listen, DPJ is a great athlete and he's going to, I think he's going to jump up probably pretty early into the second round, especially of your rookie drafts, not of the NFL draft. I think he's a third round pick, but I think that is going to boost his value even more. I'm just telling you, as a great athlete as he is, if you drop the ball, they're going to stop throwing it to you. I, I I have heard that. That's what we call a writer down here. Uh, write that down. If you drop the ball, they will not throw it to you. So, uh, Angelo, give us your guy, and what do you think about Jerry's selection? I think his selection is kind of spot on, and he, he's a guy athletically that kind of checks every box, and that's why he was a five-star in high school and was, was one of the best receivers in the nation coming out of high school. Um, but I don't think he's as nuanced as you would like going into the NFL. I think he has a pretty steep learning curve. Um, kind of got, like guys like Brashad Perriman, who it takes a few years for him to figure it out. Can Peoples-Jones figure it out? I don't have that answer. It's going to take a great ecosystem and a great coaching staff for him to reach his, reach his ceiling. Um, but for me, I think the next one's a guy that I really like, but I think he needs um, a couple more years of refinement, and that's Cam Akers. He texted super well athletically. But that was what we expected from him, right? When we look at his tape at Florida State, super athletic guy, great movement skills. A lot of people have him kind of going ahead of Swift and Dobbins. And I've seen a lot of – like a lot of people actually have had him going above Taylor as well in rookie drafts. But I think what needs to be understood about Akers is from like a perceptual cognitive standpoint, he's still kind of a tick slow um, in comparison to those guys. And he doesn't see things – the same way that a guy like Jonathan Taylor does and doesn't process information in that, I guess, elite realm that I think Taylor does. And that's why I have Taylor above all by a ton, because I think he possesses that. Akers has to unlock that as he gets into his career. I think people are touting him now as, okay, he's a virtual lock now to go like 103 or 102 in my rookie drafts. And that's a great pick, but I think there's some risk associated with him. And I think that's more so his vision and his processing ability at the second level. And that's something that takes a little bit to kind of unlock. Like I said, I think a guy like Miles Sanders was similar in that facet, kind of going in the NFL. Great athletic talent, has a lot of the tools you want to see. Great accelerator, is pretty good at you know, navigating contact. Those are, he had some good traits there. And it took Sanders about half a season for that to kind of be unlocked in Peterson's offense. I think, I think Stu Staley did a great job with, with Sanders and kind of helping him um, get to where he needs to be in that, in that capacity. But I think acres kind of has that same learning curve to him. Um, I don't think he has the processing skills right now. And I think taking the leap to the NFL level that that's from a, from a neural processing standpoint, man, that's a big leap going from college, to the NFL, everything is in a phone booth in the national football league, all these guys are moving around so quick. It's like, if you've seen those game shows, man, and they're trying to grab dollars in a phone booth, that's what the NFL is like. Everybody is so fast, so quick. 
everybody's hitting everybody everywhere and you have to decide and react and navigate in the split second. And Akers is going to have to slow down his game and learn to do that. Am I totally out on Akers? No. I think he has the second highest ceiling of any back in this class. And I love him for that. But I don't think he's as safe as people think. And I think we kind of, you know, we look at the athletic measurables and think, okay, this guy's going to be fantastic as an NFL athlete. But we see guys all the time. You know, look at Rashad Penny, man. I mean, has he really broken out in the NFL? Not really. I mean, there's a lot of guys like that in that mold who don't go to the right ecosystem and kind of fall flat in their face in the first few years of their career and have to figure it out. While I don't think that will happen to Akers, that's certainly in the cards because besides being a really athletic guy who has that those tools and that skill set to him, the nuance of the game have to come to him and need to be unlocked by him by his um, next level running back coach and offensive coordinator. Well, I, I like your guy. Go ahead, Jerry. No, 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 no. You good. Okay. I, I was going to say, I, I like, I like your take on cam acres for the same reason that I picked my guy. He doesn't get an additional plus for being a good athlete. I fully expected him going into the combine to be a good athlete. So just because you confirmed what I think you were going to do doesn't mean it's a plus. We do this all the time. We're quick to take guys down a peg or two. When they underperform, that's usually more correct. But when a guy does what he's supposed to do, it's supposed to just be check the box, not add a plus one to the box. And and that's why I had Henry Ruggs. Um, I, was anyone shocked that Henry Ruggs was fast? Because I was not shocked that he was fast. It was said all week that he and or Jalen Rager could break John Ross's combine record of 4.22. And he came close at a 4.27. And I already knew he was an explosive athlete. I had seen the the gifs and the little Twitter videos of him playing college basketball. I mean, excuse me, high school basketball before. We knew he was going to have good burst. I mean, some of the dunks he did were just absolutely ridiculous. If you search Henry Ruggs basketball on your search function on Twitter, you will see the videos and you will be like, holy hell, why isn't this guy, you know, shooting threes and playing basketball and not getting beat up for a living? I don't know. Um, I just think that the NFL likes speed. Now, he does fit the the mold of what the NFL, I think, is going to. Um, I did a Patreon on this uh, about six months ago where I think the NFL is slowly moving away from that six foot three, you know, prototypical Des Bryant-type receiver. And yeah. the, the, the comps that I've seen to this guy are Deshaun Jackson and Tyreek Hill. I don't think he's anywhere plays physical enough. I mean, he's got some some scrappiness to him, but I don't think he has that Tyreek Hill. And the other one's Deshaun Jackson. Sure. I could easily see him being a Deshaun Jackson type, which which tells me that if I want Henry Ruggs on my team, I want Henry Ruggs on a best ball team, unless as like a wide receiver 2-3. But speaking of teams, I, I, I want to roll right into the rookies that we're go either going to have to have or not going to have on our roster. And I always sure. like to let the guests go first. And I see two, and I see two screaming values. Tell us who are the two guys that you will not leave your drafts without. I think the first one, especially at where his kind of ADP is fallen in rookie drafts, is LaVisca Chenault Jr. I mean, the two questions I always kind of ask myself when I'm evaluating a prospect is, A, am I weighing circumstance too heavily? And B, can the NFL offensive coordinator weaponize his player strengths? And I think the answer to the first one, to A, is I think we we weighed LaVisca Chenault's circumstances too heavily. I mean, a lot of times with, with guys like Chenault, they, you know, at Colorado, he played for a system that he was the star of the show, right? And you want to get the ball in his hands in any way possible. And a lot of times for them to win games, that had to be in the most efficient way possible. So we saw a lot of bubble screens, a lot of motions. We saw him take the ball at Wildcat quarterback. We saw him take the ball as a traditional running back. We saw him play tight end. I mean, any way they could get him the ball, they, they needed to. And I think an NFL offensive coordinator can weaponize his strengths. My biggest question for him is health. But if he was 100% healthy, if you gave me a guarantee that LaVisca Chenault will have a healthy career in the NFL, he is a top 12 talent in this class absolutely every day of the week he's the most intriguing player in this class because he was never traditionally used as a receiver 
He played tight end, running back, wildcat quarterback. He was their goal line running back for crying out loud. And I think that muddies his development. If you can never consistently be what the NFL wants you to be or, or people see you as and as a, as a position player, that muddies your development um, and your learning curve. Um, but he's probably the only player I can truly say that without injury, he's a top eight player at two positions. He's a top eight running back. He's a top eight receiver. I mean, if you watch him run the ball, I mean, he would he would run over linebackers on fourth and one, and he'd you know he'd make the safety miss at the second level and take it to the house, you know, in motion. So I mean, he does so many great things with the ball in his hand, and he's a guy I'm extremely excited about. And especially at his price, I mean, you can probably get him close to the third round now, you know, because of the injuries, three surgeries in 16 months. Obviously, that that's a scary thing. But for me, the upside is is tremendous, man. The ceiling is super high with him. He has that Pro Bowl, all pro ceiling because of the type of player he is at six foot two twenty-seven. And the next guy I'm gonna talk about is kind of the opposite size as, uh, as Chenault, and that's um Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think we're kind of forgetting him at the top of this running back class. And he's the best receiving back in this class, bar none, like absolutely 100, 100% every day of the week. He, he's really good on what the, what the NFL is starting to do, and there's, there's so many more angle and option routes going on. I think guys like Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, that's kind of bread and butter of their game. I think that's bread and butter to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He does a great job at that, and, and Burrow is super efficient throwing those routes. Um this year at LSU. And I think NFL offensive quarters are going to want to weaponize that specifically. And I think his threat as a receiver is going to keep him in that potential hundred target realm. And that's definitely in the realm of possibility. And I think when you look at that, that alone is a high end RB two. If you're getting hundred targets a year, sign me up. And then you, you put in rushing upside to that. I think he's a way better rusher than people are kind of giving him credit for because of his size. But he weighs about 207 pounds. He's 5'7", 207. You know, he, he weighs just as much as Devonta Freeman. He weighs more than Christian McCaffrey. He's about the same size as Dalvin Cook. I mean, the, the, the weight doesn't really matter that much to me. But it's the way he processes information that we kind of talked about with Cam Akers and what, how he doesn't do that as well as some of these guys in this class. Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor put on a master class of what that looks like at the collegiate level. I think the way he manipulates second level – you know, especially with safeties and linebackers, I think he's a really good fit for a lot of NFL teams. And I think any offensive corner will use his strengths as a receiver and then potentially have him grow into a, you know, more of a 15 to 18 touch role as his career progresses. But I'm really excited about both of those guys. And those are guys that I think you can get, like you said, Randy, is screaming values in this year's draft. Well, I'm going to let Jerry, uh, forget LaVisca Chenault for a second, but I want Jerry because he's uh, been doing the yo-yo thing on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Jerry, give us what your current take is on Edwards-Hilaire and then roll into your uh, guy you have to have. Yeah, listen, I hated him at first. I I, so I watched the Lions draft Theo Riddick, and I thought initially that I, he was just a reincarnation of Theo Riddick. I watched the national championship game and he made that one juke in the backfield and then took off down the left sideline. And I was erect for almost an hour. <laughs> and, and I went back and I went, you know what? Listen, all these guys that are smart, because listen, we bring people on like you because we don't like to do the work. We like you to do all the work and give us all of the foundation of things to make our teams better. And then we make the choice of which, which ones we believe in not. Everybody was talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and I realized I was probably just being stubborn, uh, and I liked him. I did not love the 40. I thought somebody of his size should run a faster 40, but listen, I'm probably going to leave my drafts with Clyde Edwards Hilaire because he is so fun to watch, and I like dogs, and someone like him, he's just, he fights, and I love guys that fight, which is why that the guy I am probably leaving all my damn draft with drafts with is a dude that fights every time. And I have a soft spot in my heart for guys that are not on these football factory, you know, sort sort of teams, these Alabamas and stuff like that. And that's Kishon Vaughn from Vanderbilt. If, yeah. if, if you can stand out in a situation that is so detrimental to you, like being the running back at Vanderbilt, going against LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn defenses, and still succeeding, 
God, I have a place in my heart. You know, Kareem Hunt at Toledo standing out. You know, Jordan Howard at Indiana. I mean, say what you will about him. He had a good NFL career. He's still in the league. But those sorts of guys always, always will have a place in my heart because they fight for every yard and they never stop fighting for every yard. And coaches love it and they will always give them opportunity because of it. And for that reason, Kashawn Vaughn is definitely going to be on my team every single opportunity I can get him. Uh, I, th- I think I heard our guest say, oh, yeah, when you said Keyshawn Vaughn. Is that correct? I, I, you know what? I, I love Keyshawn Vaughn because um, I'm, I'm a University of Illinois guy. And he, I remember his brief career there. And he was the best running back on that team. And he is a guy, I think, that people are going to forget about, especially with now at the ascension of A.J. Dillon, um, McFarlane running well at the Combine. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, like you said, that's a tough situation to transfer to. I mean, being the Big Ten is one thing, but being the SEC and being the low man on the totem pole in the SEC, that's tough, man, week in, week out when you're going up against the big boys in you know, Alabama, LSU, you name it. And he's a guy that I like as well. I think he's going to be a guy you can get pretty late in your rookie drafts. And I think he's a guy that kind of reminds me of Carryon Johnson. And I think we like we all like Carryon Johnson. Obviously, the injuries haven't helped. But he's a guy I think that can that can have an NFL role and a pretty prominent one if he gets in a good ecosystem. And I'm really excited to see what he does. But that, Jerry, that's a great one. I love it. And I didn't actually realize he was a transfer from Illinois. So what? I'm glad uh, that the Illini did not keep. Did he leave when Lovey got there or something? Uh, he left before Levy. I, I think he left before Levy got there. I believe. Um, I'll have to check on that. But um, I think it was a year before Levy got there. But um, I'm I'm kind of upset he left. But um, Reggie Corbin's an, an, an Illinois back as well that I'm interested in. Um, late late in rookie drafts this year, he profiles more as a third down back. But Keyshawn Vaughn could be a three down back at the NFL level, and I'm extremely excited to see what what he does and what his future holds and, and what his capital looks like. All right, I forgot the the Jerry's love for the Big Ten. I will just say this: just add Ange, <laughs> just add Angelo to the long list. Uh, we have yet to have one analyst on talking about these rookies that did not like Keyshawn Vaughn in some form or fashion. Uh, the rookie that I will be leaving all of my drafts with is Michael Pittman Jr. I think he he's a guy that I'm calling a two and two man. What's a two and two man? He's a guy that's going to go in the second round of the NFL draft, and he's going to go in the second round of your dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, ran a much faster than expected, especially for a man his size, a low four five forty. Um, pretty good overall measurables, uh, NFL lineage, and the one thing that I the reason why I like him is that I don't always expect a ton out of my rookie wide receivers. When you get a little something out of them, it's like the uh, the icing on the cake. But the reason why I like Michael Pittman is, as Jerry said, he is a dog in the blocking game. And if you want to get near and dear to the heart of an old-school NFL ball coach like a Bill Belichick, uh, he's no longer in uh, Jacksonville, but but Tom Coughlin, Ron Rivera, you know, you want to get on the good side of an, of an old-school football coach, block and block well and not only does he block well he willingly blocks so I will willingly walk out of a lot of my rookie drafts with a lot of Michael Pittman Uh, but I tell you a guy that I won't be so that's the next question is who is the rookie that will not be on my rosters and that's Brandon Ayuk now again if I get information that makes me want to change my mind I will uh, he wasn't quite the speedster. He also ran a 4-5-40 at the combine like Pittman, except he's four inches shorter. He was has one year of major college production after transferring from junior college. He didn't perform at the at the uh, senior bowl. He didn't do all the drills at the combine. You know, again, so so Jerry and I had this conversation uh, on the Patreon. But Jerry, what are you doing if you don't give your wife the receipt from the store? <laughs> you you're doing something she doesn't want to know about. That's right. You're hiding something from her. So these guys that aren't out there willingly participating in something, they got something to hide. Now maybe it's no big deal. Maybe you just bought a uh, maybe you just bought a protein bar and you don't want her to see that you spent the extra three bucks. Or maybe maybe you bought a bottle of, like a handle of Jack Daniels and you don't want her to know that you're secretly a booze hound. I don't know what it is. 
But I, I, I am not in love with Brandon Ayuk. I have not been for about the last month of this process. I'm going to go right back to Angelo. Um, who is not going to be on your rosters? And then you seem to be a little excited about Pittman, and I didn't hear much about Ayuk. Uh, I, I'm not as excited about Ayuk because he's extremely raw. And for where he might go in the end, I think he might be a, you know, a second-round pick in the NFL draft. But he, he's a guy I, I just have so many question marks about. And when you mentioned Pittman, he's a pro's pro. I mean, he does everything well. You know, he's got the size. He, he's he's sneaky fast, as they would say. And he's just got a pretty refined route tree for a guy his size. And he, he carries 220 really well. He looks a lot leaner than that, actually. And I like that about him. He, he, can, he can gain some weight and, and bully some guys in the red zone some as well. But my guy was A.J. Dillon. I talked about him earlier as being my biggest winner. But he... He's also at his ADP. I don't want to take a risk at him because he's pretty one-dimensional. I don't think he catches the ball particularly well. Um, he did not look as explosive as he tested. And that, for me, is always a red flag. If I go back and look at the film, I always try to, at the NFL Combine, it's always either a confirmation for me or it tells me, you know what, I might have missed something on XYZ guy. I got to go look at this. And for Dylan went back and looked at it, didn't see it. I, I did not see the explosive measurables that we saw. And that to me is a little bit of a red flag. And I think he might go in the late first round of some rookie drafts this year. And that's, that's a place where I don't want to take him. Um, if he fell like, I guess, the late second, early third, then I would take him there. But I don't think he has a true three down skill set. And I don't think he can succeed as a pass catcher at the NFL level. But um, I think he... You know, it's going to depend on the system for him. I would love a fit like Seattle for him. That'd be great. Great ecosystem with Russell Wilson, good offensive line, um, and running back play has been, I guess, inconsistent over the past two years in terms of injuries and whatnot um, with Penny and Carson. But um, I think if he goes to the right place, he can, be a, he can be a value. But right now, he's going way too high for me to take a risk on. Oh, I, I am in total agreement on that. Uh, I actually have him on, in my rankings I released to our Patreon uh, group much lower than some of the consensus. I'm with you. I just, unless he goes to just happens, it has to be the perfect situation for you to get any return on that investment, especially where I think he'll go because he is a running back. We all have a tendency to draft running backs and trade for wide receivers. So I'm with you. So Jerry, bring this one home. Then we're going to let Angelo wrap up with uh, – where we can find him and what's going on. But Jerry, who are you not leaving drafts with? Honestly, I don't know if I have anyone that I'm super anti. If I was anyone, it would probably AJ Dillon. Uh, that's sort of lazy to not only dodge the question, but then steal Angelo's. But, you know, that's what I'm here for. Uh, for all the reasons that Angelo said, listen, I liked AJ Dillon the first time he came around out of Boston College in 2013 when his name was Andre Williams. So I'm, I'm good on that. These bowling ball dudes that, you know, I'm, I'm all right. And listen, and to to the credit that I said on the Patreon is, uh, you know, the combine is you got to think of it. Nine, 90-10 rule is, you know, for 90 percent of the guys. It just confirms what we already know, and it doesn't really mean a damn thing. It's for the 10% that are the outliers, the guys like DPJ and Denzel Mims and stuff that you got to go back and look at. You know, it, AJ Dillon's another one of those guys. You got you go back, you look, you see, and if it still doesn't click like it didn't for Angelo, and I assure you, it's probably not gonna for me. You know, you, you just you got to use it. It's a tool. Um, but I don't have anybody that I hate this year. You know, last year I didn't want a thing to do with guys like Jalen Hurd and, the, uh, what's the little, little kid from Massachusetts went to Arizona. Oh, Isabella, Isabella, Andy Isabella. I did not want anything to do with that. You know, we'll see. I could be wrong on both of those guys going forward, but I don't have any hatred yet. Uh, let's wait till the draft happens and everybody buys way too much into somebody's potential, you know, uh, situation in an offense. And then I'll really hate somebody, but sorry to be a disappointment. I don't hate anybody yet. Well, Jerry, your your reputation and uh, natural uh, disdain for, for certain players in colleges will come out soon enough. But uh, 
Angela, what uh, what's going on with you, man? Who's the next player? I love the Jalen Rager thread. I loved the J.K. Dobbins thread. Uh, who's next, and what else is uh, coming up and when? Oh, thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Um, the next one I think I'm going to do is Henry Ruggs. Um, I, I'm a big Henry Ruggs III fan uh, because I just see I see a lot more than the surface level speed that we talk about. You know, we see all the you know, we see the big plays. We see him running by safeties and corners and linebackers downfield. But I think he's a more he has more nuance to his game than people think. And I think he can be more T.Y. Hilton than Deshaun Jackson, if that makes sense. Um, so he's the next guy I'm doing. I hope to release that on Saturday. I'm still editing and tweaking some things on that. Um, but in the near future, I'm, I'm looking to do more of the same, man. I want, I want to finish my Y series. I want to go about six deep on – um, running backs and receivers here and do do 12 total. Um, and then in the near future, I'm looking at site um, to kind of get my threads in a home um, and provide some other content as well. And, and that's kind of down the line here, but it's something that I'm looking forward to. And uh, thank you guys again for bringing me on. I had a, I had a blast and you, I can be found at, um, at Angelo underscore fantasy. Well, when you get that home built for your website, you are always welcome back here on the Dynasty War Zone to promote that dude. Um, and speaking of dudes, you're one of the good ones. Uh, Angelo is in in the fitness chat with me and Nick and Ray and Commission McGriff, and I know Pete Law, and I know I'm missing somebody, but j- just a good all-around guy. When you're not talking football and you're just talking amongst the guys, you can get a feel for someone. And uh, Angelo, you are definitely a good dude. Uh, Jerry, anything to uh, share with these fine peoples before we let everybody get out of here? Angela, who is your top running back and your top wide receiver in this class? Oh, um, definitely Jonathan Taylor. I, I see, I see a two thousand yard upside with him. And my top receiver is CD Lamb. Love CD Lamb, man. I think he he's so dynamic and he, he's under two hundred pounds. Like it's it's crazy, man. He plays like a guy who's two fifteen. Uh, I love his overall game, man. I, I love his the ferocity he kind of plays with. And then he can be an absolute star in this league, and especially in the right offense. Well, I, I love it. And uh, chalk uh, Angelo up on Team Jonathan Taylor that you heard here on the Dynasty Warzone, along with Shane Hallam and along with Nick Whalen. So there you go. Uh, three people that are absolutely as in tuned as any, but from different platforms. And that's, what's cool. Everybody's coming at this a little bit differently, but they're all right. seeing the same guy as the number one running back. So, uh, listen, great to have Angelo on. Uh, he definitely schooled us coming out of the combine. Hope you've enjoyed what we've been doing with the rookies. We're going to slow the rookie coverage down for a week and the next two to three shows. We're going to be focusing on these free agents and their landing spot. So it's March. The new league year starts on the 18th. Crazy to believe. But listen, on behalf of Jerry, Angelo, and myself, we here at the Dynasty War Zone are just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football, and we'll see you back here real soon. Thanks for tuning in.